In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we celebrate the restoration of the icons to the Orthodox Church at the end of the iconoclastic controversy during which the emperors and just everyone were destroying icons, all the images of the Lord, of, of Mary, Theotokos, all the saints. They did that in the name of opposing idolatry. A synod was called in Constantinople in 843 under Empress Theodora. And, I mean, I'm just kind of making this a lot shorter than it was because it took basically like 100 years. And... The icons were solemnly proclaimed by the under Empress Theodora uh, in Hagia Sophia Cathedral to be, uh, you know, in their rightful place in the church after a theological struggle about the nature of what it is to venerate an icon, like what what is going on there, and uh, that service where they were restored happened to be the first Sunday of Great Lent in 843. This is the first Sunday of Great Lent in 2023, and uh, we're remembering that day. This celebration, in essence, the, the kind of the theological argument about the icons was really uh, an argument about the incarnation. Did God really become matter, like enter into the world and become human? take on humanity. And it, we commemorate what it, like, also what it reveals. You know, we're commemorating the incarnation, that God has become a man, and that, what does it reveal? It reveals that the true image of God has come to mankind. So we're remembering this victory over the iconoclast in the 7th century, or the 7th Ecumenical Council, 9th century. And we say this, that the orthodox teaching is sure. The orthodox teaching is sure. Matter matters. And God has become one of us and taken on flesh and blood and so can be depicted in the icons. Father Alexander Schmemann declared, everything in the world and the world itself has taken on a new meaning in the incarnation of God Everything has become open to sanctification. Matter itself has become a channel of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, gather today and we'll do our procession. It's not like, well, we're kind of reenacting something that happened all those years ago. We're celebrating something even like in the moment for us. That everything has become open to sanctification. And that matter itself becomes a channel of the grace of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, just as an aside, like a little parenthesis, <laughs> this should lay like the final kind of like point to the argument against cremation. Because what if we're saying matter matters, and that with the incarnation, that everything is open to sanctification, and that matter matter becomes a channel for the Holy Spirit. That would include this matter. So here's the proclamation from the Seventh Ecumenical Council. I actually like to read this to you because you might have in mind that, you know, when they wrote this, it was like super complicated. 
You know, it might be hard to understand. Like, you better go to seminary and get a degree if you want to figure out this. Listen to this. We, therefore, following the royal pathway and the divinely inspired authority of the Holy Fathers and the traditions of the universal church, for as we all know, the Holy Spirit dwells in her, define with all certitude and accuracy that just as the figure of the precious and life-giving cross, so also the venerable and holy images in paintings and mosaics, as well as other appropriate materials, shall be set forth in the holy churches of God, and on sacred vessels, and on the vestments, and hangings, and in pictures, both in houses and public places. And just as a pause, one time in Greece, I saw a huge icon of Christ mosaic in a parking structure. So today we might say, and properly hung in parking structures. <laughs> These holy images should depict the figure of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ and our spotless lady, the mother of God, and of the venerable and honorable angels and all the saints and pious people for by so much, more frequently, as they have been seen in artistic representation, by so much more readily are men lifted up to the memory of their prototypes and to a longing after them. They're like making the argument like we should have icons so that we long to be like the ones in the icons. And to these should be given a due salutation and honorable reverence, but not indeed true worship. Right? We're not worshiping the wood and the paint, but rather the one depicted, venerating them. And then here it ends. For the honor which is paid to the image passes on to that which the image represents. And he who reverences the image reverences its subject, anathema to those who do not venerate the holy and venerable images, anathema, like cut out, to those who call sacred images idols. So they just want to like put the final stamp on it. By the way, this was the problem with COVID, when, when some were saying, do not venerate the icons. People were like, but it says we venerate the icons. So we see Christ, we see the holy ones, and we want to belong with him. We see the saints, we want to imitate them. Man is created in the image of God. Not as true an image of the creator as we want to be, because the image of the invisible God is Christ, the eternal God, the creator of the word, the world, the word of the Father, who took on flesh and entered history. He became man and spoke of the great mystery of the love of God. In his flesh, Christ revealed the perfection of the Father. Man is the image of the image. Like, we're made in the image and likeness of God, and we can realize this likeness is our purpose, and rather, even more than our purpose, realizing the likeness of God, becoming like God, it's more than our, like, a purpose is the purpose, but it's like our destiny. It's like the absolute calling of the human person to become a saint, to become like God. So on the day of the restoration of the icons, we have to ask ourselves a question, you know, when we look into our hearts, having been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, having done that, when we look into our hearts, what do we find? Do we find the same motivations that God has? You know, do we find, like, what do we find there? 
Do we find like love for everyone, even if they've hurt us? Forgiveness for those who've betrayed us? Like we look in our hearts and what do we find? It's kind of a mess sometimes, for sure, with me. We know that the image of Christ needs to be formed into our hearts, and we know the way that begins is in baptism. Totally washed clean, all the sins washed away. But we know we also, on the same, somehow on the same hand, also don't have the mind of Christ, his reactions, his feelings, the same thoughts. So on the Sunday of the restoration of the icons, we not only remember some historical event, we desperately beg God to regenerate us and restore us as well. So how do we do it? Through baptism. We have to be born again. Now if you're like me, you've been baptized, so you're like, check. Got it. I'm good. But again, if we're being honest and we look in the heart, what do we see there? What do we behold? Do we behold regeneration in our hearts or do we behold like all kinds of conflicting things and sin, just like that curse of Adam, every minute of every day, destitution. The full truth is when we look into our hearts with eyes of our soul, we see two laws working within us, right? We see the law of God and the law of sin and death, like divided, like a heart divided. We don't want divided hearts. We look in our hearts and what do we see? We see passion, and we also do see the love of God in our hearts. Contained within our hearts are vain thoughts. We look into our hearts and we think we can only trust ourselves when it gets right down to it. We can't trust God. He seems to not be listening. Whatever lies we might tell ourselves. Whatever like place we've been. Meanwhile, we kind of fill our hearts with all the things that aren't of the Lord. You know, we take time actually and a lot of effort to do it. Well, actually maybe not that much effort. Because like the YouTube scrolling or whatever <laughs> takes like no effort. And we're just filling our hearts with all this stuff that has nothing to do with reality for one. And the Lord for another. The ultimate reality. We just fill. We just take tons of time. We'll say things like, well, I don't have time to read or I don't have time to do that. But at the end of the day, if we could like go and figure out where, where it says how much time we spent on our phone and pulled it up. You don't have to be like a high school kid to like break the bank on this. Be like, seven hours? How is it even possible I could be on my phone seven hours in one day? Not me, I mean someone else probably. <laughs> and not you for sure, like other people, like people we don't know. Let's just take it in half. Three and a half hours? How about two hours? Two hours I've wasted watching people jump rope. <laughs> or whatever they do. My wife's laughing because I showed her a jump rope video. <laughs> Jumping rope. The word of God imparted to Nicodemus is that we had to be born again. Remember he came to the Lord in the middle of the night or a late night meeting and the Lord says you've got to be born. He goes, basically, how? Like, it can't be done. You can't be born again. I'm an old man. How can the old person be born again? You can't do start over. And he says, unless you're born again of the water and the spirit. That's what the Lord says to him. It's incredible. It's here. Let's get the quote. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we look at our hearts and we can see like somehow we've been born of water and the Spirit and our hearts are just full of all the things that aren't of the Spirit or of our baptism. So we have a little bit of a quandary. In the church, it's not even a suggestion. It's actually a canon. Like you must venerate the icons. There's a canon. You must confess in Lent. It's that baptism of tears for us. It's a renewal of the baptism. It's a second baptism is what the church calls it. And uh, as I've said before, there's some of you saying, well, I'm not going to do that. And that's how you know you need to do it. You know, or it's just been too long, or I don't want to say these things, or I don't even want to, whatever. I'm so disconnected from my heart, I don't want to get into it. Or things are so painful. You know, or I don't like Father James or Father Basil or something. You know, whatever you can tell yourself to go, I'm sort of off the hook. So I want to pin you down as we all long for a new birth. We long for hearts that are undivided, singularly focused on Christ. Our pathway is a path of repentance, and Lent has been brought out in all its sweetness and glory to call us back to the Lord, to reconnect us to Christ, and to like drop all the conniving and the machinations, we say, the machinery, like the, the, the figuring it all out, you know? When Jesus asked the, the Pharisees, the baptism of John, from heaven or from man, remember what they answered? Well, if we say it's from heaven, he'll say, why didn't you do it? And if we say it's from men, we fear the people will, like, rebel against us. Instead of just answering the question honestly and maybe being corrected, they were, like, playing games. We can fall into that. Let's let it, let it go. Let's let it go. Come to confession. Warm-hearted, open-hearted, totally honest, to come and lay before the Lord a baptism of tears. Maybe not, maybe your eyes won't be watered up, but a baptism of tears where your heart is as open as you can make it. And to just, you know, pull it open before the Lord and go back to that time, maybe when you were younger or something, when faith was super easy. You didn't have all these other distractions or all these other thoughts. And it was just simple to just trust the Lord, to call on the mother of God to come close to us, our guardian angels to like cover us. You know, some of you have seen your angel, you know, to go back to the time. And how do we get there? Innocence and honesty and just laying ourselves before Christ, you know, dropping all the you won't believe what a bishop said to me one time 24 years ago. Or you won't believe what father did. He gave me a look. Or said a thing. You know. Yeah. Can we just lay that all down and just stand before the Lord with the priest as a witness and give ourselves to Christ. And see that renewal of the image. A restoration of the image. On this day, the restoration of the holy images. Can we ourselves experience that? The answer is yes. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? We have to heard asked today. The answer is yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the deacon goes, oh, yeah. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Deacon goes. Didn't you say, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah.
So if we look at the Nazareth of our hearts, we might ask, can anything good come out of that place? Okay, because we, we know what's in there. All the like murdering, lying, gossiping nonsense, you know, that sin that so easily corrupts us, lust and greed and everything else. I'll stop there. I could list more. We look in the Nazareth of our hearts. Can anything good come out of there? The answer is yes. It'll take a miracle, but God is in that. That's his business. So let's trust in the Lord. This has been my sales pitch for confession. May it be blessed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank <laughs> you.